everything that you have for us today. Father, we thank you for your divine presence. We thank you for divine utterance. And Father, we thank you for clarity. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that every ear here today will be open and in tune to what you have for each and every one of us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 4, 14, Romans 14. We're going to get started there. I'm going to talk to you today about the sin of worry. The sin of worry. All right? God doesn't want you to worry. Amen? He doesn't want, to ha want us to be worried. But, you know, a lot of times people are in such fear, worry can bind you and you, not, and you don't even know that you'd be bound. Do you know that? You can, you can be worrying about things that you don't even know that you're worried about. That's, that's what fear, that's what fear does and what worry does because worry is attached to fear. Right? So you got to get an understanding. What is attached to, to worry? What's attached to fear? Because all those things are reaching out to you. You know, there's lots of things in the world that uses fear to attract you. It uses worry to attract, but you see, you don't recognize it. But it's there, it's in operation, it's, it's, it's happening. You know, uh, I remember I seen this study years ago that uh, it, it was a report, I don't know if it was National Geographic or one of those, but they, they did this study about how these uh, trappers would go out into the forests uh, in South America and they would catch these spider monkeys. And uh, it was kind of interesting what they would do is they made, these, they made these cages or gourds at the time. They'd use cages too. But they would, they would put a hole in this gourd, all right, and, and tie this gourd to a tree. And inside they would put the food that the spider monkeys loved. So what they would do is they would cut a hole in the gourd and the gourd, the hole was just big enough that the spider monkey could stick his hand inside. And he would grab a hold of the food, but with the food in his hand, he couldn't, he couldn't get his hand back out. So he literally became trapped. Because the, the monkey knew that the thing that he wanted and he needed was right in his hand. It was in his grasp. But he wouldn't loosen it to pull his hand out and think of another way to get that food out because he could have just tilted the, on, on the side and the food would have fallen out. But see, he didn't, he didn't think about that. But the whole thing was, is that's how they would, they would capture these spider monkeys and they literally would walk right up to the monkey, which normally would have run off and you know, been afraid of him, and the monkey stayed right there and couldn't get away because he had his hand on the food. And they just reached down and grabbed the monkey and threw him in the cage and off they went. But see, that's how fear and worry really does a lot of us because you're, you're so used to it, you don't even recognize the danger that, it's, that it is to you and it's actually keeping you in bondage because you're too afraid to, to release it and, and, and grab a hold of what God has for you. Look here in Romans chapter 14. And verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God 
is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Think about that. The kingdom of God, it's not, it's not, it's not food and drink. It's, it's righteousness, peace, righteousness being right standing, but peace. When there's fear, there's no peace. When there's worry, there's no peace. All right, and it says, and joy in the Holy Ghost. All right, joy in the things of the Spirit. But a lot of Christians today, a lot of believers today, they, they, they don't have joy in the things of God because what? They're so inundated with worry and fear, they don't even recognize it in operation in their lives, but it's going on. And they're actually, literally, they're holding on to it. They say, well, I, you know, I can't let go of this because if I let go, who's going to take care of it? Well, what's the Word of God say? It says, cast all your cares upon Him because, what? Well, he cares for you, but see what you're doing. You're holding on to the thing that's keeping you in bondage, that's stealing your peace, that's stealing your joy, all right? that's stealing you and keeping you out of walking in righteousness, which is a gift that's been given to you, and you don't even walk in it. Because why? You're holding on to worry. You're trying to grab things. You're trying to get things to, to, to work for you that's not of God. And that's worry. Uh, we've got to become... Uh, more skillful in the area of peace and walking in the joy of the Lord. You know, Brother Hagin said this uh, in his life. He said many, many times over and over, he said, the greatest temptation that we face is the temptation to worry. The greatest temptation that we face is the temptation to worry. How do, you, how do you get over that? Well, Brother Hagin said something else about that. He said, when you get thrilled with the Word, the Word will work. When you get thrilled with the Word, the Word will work. I found, you know, before I seen and heard that Brother Hagin had said that, I kind of knew it because I'd experienced it. There are times in my life I'd pick up the Bible, you know, and I'd read because I'm supposed to. I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to feed on the Word. I know that. But it was the attitude that I had in reading the Word. And so what would happen, see, is you'd start that, and you'd do that one day, and the next day it'd be kind of the same thing, and the next day it'd be kind of the same thing, but less. And, and before long, you're like, Lord, I, I read your Word, but I just don't seem like I'm getting anything out of it. Why is that? And the Lord would quicken to me. He said, because you're not excited to read the Word. You're just going through the motions of reading it. He said, son, over the years, when you got it, he said, and he'd bring me back to the beginning. You know, right after we got uh, born again and, and uh, my wife and I started looking for a church. I mean, I, I was getting books and, and I was reading the Bible. And it was like, I looked forward to sitting down and opening the Word of God or opening a book that actually explained the Bible to me 
and I could get revelation. And I, I would see that. I would get excited. I was like, wow, praise God. That's awesome. It even says it here. What was that? I was excited. So see, that's what you have to, do, to watch, and that's what Brother Hagin was saying. He says, when you get thrilled with the Word, it'll work in your life. But if you're, if you're casual to the things of God, it won't work, with you. It won't work for you at all. Why? Because you're casual. And that's what happens to a lot of people is because of their attitude toward the Word of God is not right. They don't receive what heaven has for them. They miss it because of their attitude toward the Word. And that's what Brother Hagin was saying. He said, the greatest temptation that you'll have in your life is to worry. Because, see, if you're, if you're not thrilled about the Word, you're going to be thinking about what's going on around you. You know, wives will always be calling their husbands to find out where they are. Husbands will always be calling their wives to find out where they are worried. Why are they worried? Because they're not excited about the Word of God and the promises of God that hasn't revealed to them that, look, that's fear. You don't, my, I got a word for somebody. Micromanaging is fear. It's fear-based. If you have to micromanage everything in your life and other people's lives, you're, you're in fear and you don't realize it. Yeah, but pastor, if I don't micromanage things in my life, it'll, it'll fall apart. It's already falling apart. You don't realize it. You're just, on the, you're just on the cliff about ready to fall off. It just hasn't happened yet. And you think that things are in control. No, the problem is you're not allowing the Lord to work in that situation in other people's lives because you're not speaking about other people's lives right. You're worried. You're worried. Amen? Go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. Let's look at another one here. Matthew 25. And this is the words of Jesus. In Matthew 25 verse 21, he says this. His Lord, he's given an explanation here. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler, ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. But let's back up here. What does he say? We, we hear people say this all the time. Well done, good and faithful servant. And what do we focus on? We focus on the faithful part. Right? Well done, good and faithful. But that's, the, you know, Jesus not only said, spoke of being faithful, he spoke of being good. Well, what's the good part? The good part is being skillful. Being skillful. If you're not skillful with your faith, you're not going to be full of faith. Think about it. If, if, if you're just throwing your faith out there everywhere, that's not really being skillful. Someone that's skillful, when you think of somebody that's skillful in doing a job, 
they're very precise on what they're doing. There's a knowing about what they're doing. They've got special tools that they use. They take good care of those tools. They, they watch what they're doing and see what they're doing, and they'll make measurements. You know, they'll, they'll get better at their job. They don't just stay the same or get worse. It's not something, somebody that's skillful is not somebody that does it occasionally. You know, I, I, I do know a little bit of something about working on cars, but I'm not skillful at it. Don't claim to be. But there's people out there that are skillful at working on automobiles. Some better than others. All right? But see, what Jesus was saying to him, he said, well done, skillful and faithful servant. Because you've been faithful in little things, now we're going to give you a lot more. But see, that's the problem. Is a lot of people, they're so focused on other things in their life, they're not, they're not focusing on being skillful and faithful. They may be, you know, in, in, in word of faith circles, we hear faith preached a lot. A lot of people are talking about faith. Be faithful, right? Speak words of faith, all right? Say, you know, speak the word over the situation. Speak the word over the situation. But are you becoming skillful with it? If you, see, if you're not skillful with the word, the word that you're speaking, it just becomes you're throwing, you're throwing mud up on a wall. Because you, you, you'll, you'll acquire the attitude that if I throw enough word at this situation, something's going to stick. That's not skillful. Skillful is taking the word of God in your situation. When worry's trying to get on you, that's your situation, and then just sit back and be at peace. Because that's the kingdom of God. It's peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, knowing that that situation is being taken care of because the Father said, cast all of your care upon me because he cares for us, right? He, he cares for you. He, he, he doesn't want you handling your situation. And worry is really you trying to handle your situation. You trying to get somebody to see something. It's not your job. It is not your job to get somebody to see something. You'll spend years trying to get somebody to see something they're not even interested in. Now, you can pray for them. You can intercede for them. But to, to become so so uh, mindful of that situation, and God hasn't said anything to you about doing that. You're worried. You're worried. Brother Hagin said when he was uh, dying, and, you know, he was a young, young child, and he was, he, was, he was dying, he would worry, all right, because he would, have, he would have like heart attacks. He said he'd have like five or six heart attacks a day. And it got so bad that he would hold on to the to the his the wood frame of his bed, and it said that he 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 said that he was actually wearing the varnish off of the bed because every time he would start to have a heart attack, he'd reach up and hold on, you know, because of what it was doing to his body. And then one day, the Lord spoke to him and said, 
you're grabbing on and holding on is fear. And he had another attack and he, he reached up and he, he did it again. He realized, that's fear. And so the next time, when, when it attacked him, his heart started to, to have uh, that situation again. And instead of reaching up, he just laid there. He said, I'm just going to lay here. And it stopped. And the attack stopped. Because the, his fear was bringing on the attacks. But see, had he not recognized it, and you know, eventually Brother Hagin got pretty good at, at, at not worrying about anything. Matter of fact, one day there's a story about how his wife Evelyn had said to him, he said, she said to him, she said, I believe, honey, that if me and the kids died today, you wouldn't even worry. And he looked at her and he said, well, what good would that do? What, what good would that do? We ain't going to bring you back. <laughs> he said, well, she got really hot and bothered over that, but he said, but it was the truth. What good would worrying do if you drop, if somebody dropped dead in front of you? Worry's not going to raise him from the dead. You're going to need faith. And you, you can't have faith and be worried at the same time. You've got to have faith. You've got to be at peace. You've got to know, no, that's not happening. Amen? You've got, to, you, you've got to be in control of that situation in your thought life, and you don't get into, the, into, you don't get into control. You walk in control. Right? You don't get into control. You walk in control of situations. So if you're, if you're not in control before you get to a situation, your chances of you actually acquiring control is probably slim and none. Why? Because you, you should be walking in control of the situation, not reacting to the situations. And that's how, how a lot of people act in their life. They react to situations rather than walking in the dominion that God has already given you. And what you're going to take, all right, is to walk is to walk in that presence with the Lord, to not let fear get on you. You're going to have to, as as it says in the Word of God, attend to my words in Proverbs, uh, I believe it's 4:20. Attend to my words. Give your attention to the Word of God. Give your attention to the Word of God. And how do you attend you attend to his you read that word, you you meditate on that word. Amen? And what is meditation? I talked a little bit about this Wednesday night at Oasis. Meditation is important because meditation brings vision. And if you don't see that situation changing, it won't change. So how long do you meditate? You meditate on that word till what you see when you look at the situation in the natural, you don't see that anymore. You see the spiritual taking over and that situation as it looks in the natural is already changed inside you. Right? When you go out and you look at your old junky car and you say, well, I believe in God for a new car. Right? You're going to use your faith in that. Well, if every time you go out and look at that car, you just see the same old junky car, ain't nothing going to change. 
But if I can take the Word of God and I can meditate on scriptures that, that talk about His promises, talk about increase, talk about He desires that I, that I have good things, right? If I, if I meditate on those scriptures, it, what I start doing is I start to get a vision. I don't see the old junky car sitting outside anymore. I see a brand new one. I see, and, and matter of fact, I start, I start to see the exact car that I desire. Because he wants you to give you the desires of his heart, of your heart. And I see that on the inside. And how did I get that? Because I meditated on the word of God. Meditation provides vision. And vision provides change to your situation. You have to meditate on the word and actually get a vision of that, that the word taking effect in the natural realm. Faith doesn't work in your head. Faith works in your heart. Worry and fear work in your head. That's how the devil will try to attack you with worry and fear. He's attacking your mind. He's trying to get you to believe that you're not good enough. You, you don't have the ability. But the Word of God says, you have the mind of Christ. You're a new creation. That old thing that you were is no longer. God recreated and made a brand new you. Even though on the outside you might look the same. But on the inside it's all different. Right? All different. Hallelujah. You know, it's kind of like, to give you a picture of it, what they, we kind of start to see happening in the auto industry. We're seeing the electric automobiles taking classic cars and putting electronics on the inside and the car actually no longer has a gas motor. It's got an electric motor. It looks the same on the outside, but it operates completely different on the inside. See, that's what happens when you get born again. You are a new creation. You're not just running by gasoline anymore. You're running by the power of God. You've got the mind of Christ. And you have the same spirit living in you that raised Jesus from the dead. So see, fear cannot grab a hold on you unless you open the door. If you open the door to fear, fear will come in. And fear will convince you that you can't, you won't, you shouldn't. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And see, that's not how God leads. God doesn't lead by saying, I want you to go here or do this. And if you don't, this is going to happen to you. See, it may sound like the voice of God. God doesn't operate that way. He does not use, he does not use um, judgment as a tactic to move people or to lead people. He doesn't use that. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. You know, we just sang about uh, the goodness of God. He's always been faithful. He always will be. He's not changing. 
He's going to be faithful in your life. He's going to be faithful in my life. You know, uh, back in 2 Kings, where we could go there, the story of Elisha and Elijah. The Lord just showed me this this morning. Let's go there, 2 Kings. And I've never really seen this before, but it's where Elijah and Elisha are soon to depart. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. In verse 10, it says, And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Now, understand the Old Testament prophets had the Spirit of God upon them. So they did hear from the Father. And it's at this moment the Spirit of God speaks to Elisha and tells him what to say to Elisha. It wasn't hard for God. It wasn't hard for God. It was going to be hard for Elisha because the Spirit of God knew what was about to happen on the next page. He knew it. He said, it's going to be hard for you, son, because you're going to have to control your thoughts. You're going to have to stop fear from trying to get on you. You're going to have to stop doubt from trying to convince you because that's how the enemy operates. So, if you see me out of here, and you know you don't have me to come to anymore to talk about your thoughts and things, that you, you are able to control your thoughts, your doubts, you'll have the double portion. Now, what happens on the next page? Elisha's taken away. And the prophets of the land come saying, let's go look for your master. Maybe he's over there, or he's over there. So what's coming into Elisha? Doubt. Well, maybe God didn't take him to heaven. Maybe he just took him and moved him to another spot. We need to look for him. Maybe he's still here. You know, and he's getting a lot of pressure from these other prophets are so-called prophets. Well, they are prophets. The Bible calls them prophets. So they apparently had something going on in their lives. They were sons of prophets. They had, they had some experience. So there's a lot of pressure in it, on Elisha to go and look. But what does Elisha do? His first test won't well, do you no good. He's gone. And they keep after it. They keep after him on it. And finally, he just gives him says, look, if you want to go search, you go search, I'm staying right here. I am not going anywhere because 
Elisha's gone. God took him. I saw him leave. I know what Elisha said to me. You've asked a hard thing. Yeah, it's hard because this is the kind of stuff I'm going to have to deal with from here on out. I'm going to have people coming to me saying, questioning what I, 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 I say the Lord had said to me. Yeah. They're going to question you. You're going to have people that know you, that love you, that care about you, question what God said to you, and are you going to do it? Are you going to listen to them? Because that's what Elisha was facing. He was facing pressure that, with people that he knew, that cared about him, but didn't have the same call that he had. What is that? That's, that's, that's an opportunity to open the door to worry. That could be right. You ever had that happen? Somebody that, that knows you, God's spoken to you about something, and somebody that knows you comes to you and says, well, that's not really God. But see, you've already, the Lord's already spoken to you. He's, he's already given you direction. And what are you doing? You start, if you follow that, that flow, you start to have double minds. Well, maybe, maybe I didn't hear from heaven. Maybe that wasn't God speaking to me. What's it cost? It's, the cause of it is to get you to move. And once you move, all fear comes in. Worry comes in. Why? Because you're not following the plan of God. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. It's knowing. So meditation on the word gives you vision and keeps worry away. It keeps fear away. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Father. You know, there was another time with Brother Hagen. Brother Hagen had fallen off a ladder and, and hurt his shoulder at this church. They were doing something at the church, and he, and he had slipped and fallen. I think, it was, I think he had slipped on a step or something, and he had hurt his shoulder. And uh, they had to get out an ambulance and take him to the hospital. And the Spirit of God spoke to him, and he said, the Lord said to him, don't worry about this. I'll talk to you later. So he's riding in the ambulance to the hospital. And uh, they put him in the hospital, and they, he was in the room uh, waiting for the doctors to come in. And uh, he was sitting there, and all of a sudden he heard steps coming up the hall. And he thought, well, here comes the doctor to tell me, you know, what, what's going on. And the door opened, and Jesus walked in. And Jesus pulled up a chair and sat down next to his bed. And he said to Brother Hagin, he said, I must um, acknowledge or congratulate you that you didn't get into fear, that you didn't worry. Because had you gotten into fear, 
your shoulder would have been broken, but it's not. And he sat down next to him, and, and they talked for like an hour and a half. So what would have happened if Brother Hagen had gotten into fear? Jesus would never have, he would have never had that experience. See, Satan knew that some, God was about to do something in his life, and the enemy began to bring an attack to do what? To bring worry, to bring fear, to bring doubt, so that what? He wouldn't be in the right place. There's such revelation that God has for you, but if you step over into fear, you step over into worry, you'll miss what God has for you. And it may take you years to get back. Some people never get back to that. But see, if you'll stay strong in the Word, if you'll stay strong believing this is what God said, God's Word said this, I know it. I know it. When, when people come and try to change you, you've already heard from heaven. You, if, you, if you step out of it, you're stepping, you're stepping away from what the Lord said. Now you're, now you're into fear. Now you're into doubt. What do you got to do? We, as soon as you realize that you've done it, you need to repent. And then go back and do what God said to do. If you remember. But sometimes, a lot of times... It's so far down the road, it's months, years later, people forgot what they were. So we're going to have to ask the Lord. Lord, I know there's something. I left the door open. What did I do? And he'll, and he'll tell you. And then you're going to have to go back and do what he said. Because he doesn't change. And that's where your peace is at. That's where your peace is at. Doing what God has told you, not doing what the enemy has pressured you into doing. Go to go to Second um, Corinthians chapter ten. Second Corinthians ten. Look here at this this scripture real quick. I kind of alluded to it earlier, but let's. I want to take a look at it here. Second Corinthians 10, verse 5. It says this, casting down imaginations. What's an imagination? An imagination is a thought that does not line up with the Word of God or the ways of God. That's an imagination. It's, it's an evil thought. It's an incorrect thought. The Word says, cast it down. And that word cast doesn't mean put it down. It means pitch it. Get rid of it. Far away from you. How many times do you have to do it? You have to do it over and over again until that thing, it doesn't come back. Casting down imaginations in every high thing, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What's a high thing? A high thing is anything that says, look, if you do this, you'll be better. You'll be better off, and it doesn't line up with the Word of God. A lot of people listen to things like that. There's, there's thoughts coming at them. 
There's instructions coming at them. There's imaginations that's coming at them. And look, if I do things this way, it'll be easier on me. If I do things this way, it won't happen like what the Word of God says. That's, that's a high thought. That's something high that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Because it's saying, you can do it another way. You can't do it another way. You can't do it in a way that is opposed to the way God has said. That's the only way to go. Because if, if you go trying to go against the Word of God, you're going to be greatly disappointed. You're going to cause problems in not only your life, but a lot of times in people's lives around you. Because what, you, what happens in your life affects people around us that we, that we know about and we care, right? Good or bad. If, something, you know, if, if, if you win the lottery, guess what? People around you are going to be affected. I mean, just think about it. Not that we're playing lottery or anything like that, but I mean, you know, if, somebody, if somebody just gifted you a million dollars, people that are close to you are going to be affected. You may not give them all the million dollars, but you know, you, you should give them a few thousand dollars. That's going to have an effect in their life, won't it? So the things of God is the same way. When, when you walk in the things of God, all right, the word of God, it has an effect on people around you. When you walk on the things of the enemy, it has an effect on people around you. Right? They, they, they see things that you don't, especially when you're walking on the things of the enemy. Other people will see things that you don't. That's good, Lord. When you walk in the things of the enemy, other people will see things you don't. When you walk in the kingdom of heaven, you'll see things other people don't see. Amen. Polar opposites. Polar opposites. Polar opposites. Walk in the word of God. Be at peace. Casting down all imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and then bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You've got to bring every thought in your head in captivity. If it doesn't line up in the Word, don't sit there and, and let it grab a hold. You know, there's things on social media, garbage, just pure, unadulterated garbage that's on there. You know, and you scroll through and you see it, and you sit there and you click on it, and it's garbage. What did you just do? You opened a door. Delete it. Skip by it. You don't, it, you don't have to read any of it to see, to know that this is trash. You really don't. And that's what the Word of God says. Bring every thought into captivity. You need to delete things that come into your head that aren't a God and quit thinking about them. Because they're only going to lead to disaster. That's, that's that avenue that you're going down. It's only going to lead to that. 
that disaster. Because here's something about this. I'm, I'm, I'm really close here. Talking about your mind, your thought life, worry and fear, the things of God. What you have your attention on, what you have your thoughts on, that's what you're going to see produced in your life. If you have your thoughts on the things of God, all right, and a bad thought tries to come up into your mind, what are you going to do? You're going to say, nope. I'm going back to the Word of God. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, I do something simple like that. I see something where the, the enemy is trying to put a thought in my head. I just go back to Scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And you know what? That thought just kind of goes away. Why? Because I'm doing what the Word says. What you have your attention on, your mind on, what you have your mind on is what you have your attention on. Your mind is what your attention on. The reason why that thought was there because, was because you opened your mind a little bit too much and a thought got in. It's just like this. If you're anything like me and you get in your car and there's a fly in there, I did not invite that fly into my car. I don't want it to stay. I roll down my window and I start swatting. You know, if I've got a paper handy, he's going to be dead and I'm going to flick him out the car because I don't, I don't give rides to flies. So you need to take that attitude with your thought life, all right, what, 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 you're, what you're thinking about, all right? That's what your attention is on. So if I, if I let my attention on something that's not of God, and I'm not saying that you, you, you can't follow sports or anything like that, but see, the minute sports start bringing up negative things, I've got to shut that thing down. I've got to shut it down. Why? Because that's a door. And I recognize that's a door. And I shut it down. It's just like what we were talking earlier about fear. Fear is operating in your life, but you, you're, you're, you're operating in it and you don't even realize it because you don't shut it down. You're worried about something. You're worried that somebody might not do their job right. Okay. Is that worry going to do any good? No. Get in faith. Get in faith over the situation. Don't sit there and complain about they may not do it right or they don't do it right. Everything will be okay. There's steps that you can take and you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to fret over anything like that. Amen? Did you get something today? God doesn't want us worrying because it stops the flow of heaven in your life. It will stop the flow of heaven. We're going we're to partake of, uh, 